You could clap for him, man. They did a good job with these videos. Here's this guy saying, uh, "My, you know, I don't own anything," and we'll see what he's getting at tomorrow. But a part of me thinks that he's pointing to this light, this idea that his life is no longer his. It's not about him anymore. Is again, he's representing this Solomon character who wrote this 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 book that we've been walking through of Ecclesiastes that, again, has taken us from what we talked about this morning. What are we finding worth in? What are we finding our purpose in? Because otherwise, if it's not in the Lord, it's just a chasing after the wind. And it's been cool to hear different counselors, you know, talking about just discussions that are happening. Some of you have been awesome hanging out and just hearing stories about what God is teaching you already. We go back to last night of, again, a right view of God just shows the way that how we should live our life. And Solomon's saying, it gets to my end of my life. And I said, look, just fear God and keep his commandments. That's what we're set on this earth to do. So we'll watch the next part here tomorrow night. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, we're going we're gonna to look at here. 1 through 11 is an interesting passage of Scripture and maybe you've heard this maybe in uh, different songs that are maybe singing about, you know, there's a time for this, a time for that. Oddly enough, this is a, a part of scripture that's read at funerals a lot of times. Because it's talking about that there's a time, in fact, it says right here, there's a time for everything, it says. A time to be born, a time to die. A time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to be silent, a time to speak. There's a time for everything. And now we read about it in verse three or chapter 3, verse 11. It says this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. Verse 11 again. God has made everything beautiful in its time. And God has set eternity in the human hearts. Eternity is an interesting word. It's a word you probably don't think about very often. What's next? What comes after this life? Eternity. Tonight I want to talk about eternity. I want to talk about a thing called the good news. I think it's the most important decision that you will make, some of you who have never put your hope and faith in Jesus, for your eternal salvation. Tonight, I'll give you an opportunity to declare that you want and or that you need Jesus. And I say that ahead of time so that as we get to the end, you don't feel like that you're tricked or bamboozled. All I want to do is talk about the truth. All I want to talk about is what we call as Christians good news. Who Jesus is and what he has done for us and what that looks like now in our life. So if you're out there and you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, I'm going to encourage you, dial in. Just listen to some of these words and take it in because I'm telling you, your eternal nature, your eternal life is at stake. This eternity that's written in your hearts 
This is what we're talking about tonight. And please, it is a big deal. Christians in the room, as we talk about the good news, you you might be thinking, great, I've heard it. I've given my life to the Lord. I'm good. I'm tired, so I'm going to check out. And you can. But Christians, it was a while ago in this chapel As I was camp director here, I would hear the gospel presented week after week after week. And I'm telling you, every time I heard the gospel, it would just make my heart just excited. Because the thing that actually took me from spiritual death to spiritual life, I would hear it and I would get excited about it. Because it is good news, not just for the one time that you do it. It's good news as you think about the gospel always in your life, Christians. And one last thing, Christians. The Lord has commanded us to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Bible encourages us to be ready in and out of season to give an account for the hope that you have. It's talking about sharing your faith, articulating the good news. So Christians in the room, my question to you, you don't have to answer it out loud. I want you to think about it. My question to you Christians, do you know how to share the good news? If you don't, get out a notebook. Because I got the opportunity. I got a microphone. You're not going anywhere for about 20 minutes. You might as well take some notes on Bible verses that you could share with your friends that didn't have the ability to come up to camp this week. So here we go. Let me pray for us as we begin. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for the band, the staff, the youth pastors, the counselors, the students, the ones that you're drawing to yourself right now. We thank you, Lord, for moving in this place. Open up our hearts where we can understand you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We talked about it yesterday. The very beginning of the Bible, it starts with God because it's all about him. And it's interesting because the Bible doesn't really go in explanation or trying to convince you about God. It just simply starts out by saying, in the beginning, God. Romans chapter 1 says something interesting. It says, no one has an excuse because God, his his eternal nature, his, his, his eternal power is on display in the creation that you see around you so that no one in this room can have an excuse to say, I didn't know there was a God. The Bible says, creation screams, creator. Maybe you're not tracking with me. Uh, you got here yesterday, for most of you. You come down this little hill, right? You turn into Hume Lake, and one of the first things you see is this chapel. What I can pretty much guarantee, none of you probably thought as you pull into this chapel, you're, you're coming in, I'm sure not anyone was saying, whoa, it's amazing how after a billion years, this chapel happened to happen the curve of it all, the lights, how it just pops up, the metal doors that all swing open, and look, they're lined up perfectly. Nobody walked in here and be like, this set, I can't believe how it was just, all of a sudden, it wasn't there, and then one day it was. 
These lights, these screens, I cannot believe that over all of these billions of years, it was a perfect, perfect dust storm of, of atoms that popped these lights right into place and they all directly run back to the back of the chapel and then they all go down to one spot there that switches all the lights on. That's mind-blowing how it just simply happened. We wouldn't say that. What would we say? Well, that's pretty cool. There must have been an architect. Well, this set's pretty amazing. Somebody had to build it, right? Why? Because Romans 1 says, no one has an excuse. This creation screams creator. So as long as we're all on that same playing field, that in the beginning God and we start to understand a biblical view of who God is, now we can move forward. Now, here's a question for you. Uh, Harry asked that yesterday. He's like, hey, well, we'll treat you with respect, and we'll go back. Uh, you're, you're, you're junior, so you don't, you don't need a little illustration. But I've got a little illustration. It might be a little cheesy illustration, but I'll put that to you. Do you guys want to see the illustration or no? Yes, you sure? All right, well, you asked for it, so here we go. It just might help a little bit is what, what we're walking through here, all right? So it's your, it's your fault, right? You, you said you wanted it. So here we go. In the beginning, God, right? So here it is, the big G, all right? Here we go. All right, good? Everybody good? All right, so now on this, we see some stuff on there that we talked about. God is love. According to the Bible, he is love. He's the author of it. He's the source of it. God is hope. God is peace. God is eternal. He's all-powerful. We talked about these attributes of God. And as we understand a biblical view, we start to raise him up more and more. And we're like, God, you are amazing. And he's like, good, as long as you understand, I am set apart unlike anything. So it says, in the beginning, God, what? Created, created everything, including, drum roll, wait for it. <laughs> oh, it's so cute. It's adorable. He created us, right? Oh, it's adorable. Now listen, us, you and me. Now it's great. Look how perfect we are, right? This is so good. Everything's together and this is how it was. In the garden with Adam and Eve, God creates Adam and Eve and he says, it's very good. And they walked with their, their creator in the garden in the cool of the day is what we read about in Genesis. And he's created them to enjoy him and them to enjoy each other. And everything is just exactly how it is until they wanted more. And we talked about that this morning. God says, in this garden, you've got to have everything. I'm just going to say, not this thing. And they said, well, God, we want that thing. And he says, you don't want that thing. You want me. And they're like, well, we kind of want that thing more than you. And he says, then you can have it. But consequences are coming. And they're like, all right. And as they do, and we talked about it, sin enters into humanity. What is, what is sin? We talked about it. It's going against God with our thoughts, our words, our deeds, our attitudes. In fact, the Bible says in Romans, and maybe you don't have your Bible, so you could look up on the screen because I brought mine for you here. It says this in Romans 3.23. All have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. If we are to understand, again, being all on the same page, that there is a God, because creation even screams, creator. 
and then the Bible says we've all sinned. Now, the Bible, let's just take one thing that God says for us to do. God says, love me more than anything else. We don't. Well, that's a sin. And we're like, all right, well, so I'm a sinner. I'm just saying in general, we have to understand beyond the same page, this passage is true about all of us in this room. And we might say, well, not a big deal. So I sinned. Big deal. Good. One sin makes us a sinner. And we say again, what's the big deal? Well, the problem is the next verse in Romans 6, 23. Take a look at this. It says this. The wages of sin is death. Free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. We'll get to that. But that first line is overwhelming and awful. The wages of sin is death. Wage is your earnings. Any 14-year-olds out there? 14-year-olds? No. Any? All right, put your hands down. Those 14-year-olds, anybody got a job? Any 14-year-old got a job? Yeah? You got a job? You can't put your hand up and down, bro. Do you got a job or not a job? All right, and Pete, what's your name? Hey, zip it, zip it. What's your name in pink? What? Hi, Annie. Hi. One, two, three. Hi, Annie. Annie, what do you do? What do you do? What's your job? Yes, you feed your goats and dogs. Good, that's a job. All right, look, now listen. All right, do you get, you get a wage from that, right? Your parents or grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunt, somebody gives you money. Now, here's the thing. Annie has a job. She feeds her goats and her dogs, all right? Now, how silly would it be for Annie to walk up to her mom and dad at the end of that two weeks and say, uh, or her mom and dad, give her money, and she's like, this is amazing. Thank you, mom and dad. I can't believe I'm getting money for this. And they're like, well, that's what you earn. You don't want it? She's like, well, I, I'll love it. She won't be confused about it because they set up a little contract. I'll feed the goats and the dogs, and you'll give me money. It's a wage. It's an earning. That's what you get. Problem is, that line then says, which we would all agree, we have all sinned. One sin. One sin. The wages of that one sin, death. That's a big deal. Now, is it talking just like, just death? Well, that shouldn't shock any of us. There's a one in one chance all of us are going to die in this room, right? We, we will die. That doesn't shock us. But the scary reality is this isn't just talking about a physical death. It's talking about a spiritual death as well. Now, again, some of us might think, what? One sin? And the consequence is so severe. I mean, What? But the reality is you understand how that works. You under, you, we all understand how, how respect and, and consequences of, of people getting in trouble hit. Now, what, what I mean by that is this. If my kid walks up to me, my daughter walks up to me and just slaps me in the face, she would get in trouble, right? She'd get grounded. Now, she's at school. She walks up to her principal, smacks him in the face. That's a, that's a little different. Now, listen. You all just did this. Why didn't you do that when she smacked me in the face, right? Like, listen, even that, even that shows what? Power a little bit. That in this world, we understand is authority goes up, so does the consequences. So she smacks the teacher or her principal in the face. She might get, you know, uh, detention. She might get kicked out of school. She walks up to a police officer. 
Okay, now we understand, right? Why are you doing that? Wait, zip it, listen, here's the why. Because you understand the higher authority, you understand there's a bigger consequence. So she gets tased, obviously, right? She probably gets, uh, uh, you know, some sort of citation, I don't know. But she walks up to the President of the United States and slaps him in the face, right? Listen. Students. It's not, it's not meant to be funny. It's a reality check that we would say she wouldn't even be able to get close enough to the president of the United States. Why? Because power. And we understand that workings of she does something to me, it's one thing. But we understand that the structure of power, that if it's a police officer, if it's the president, like the, the higher up and of authority and power, the, the greater the consequence. We're talking about an eternal creator, all powerful, all loving. We have rebelled against him. There's a really serious consequence that comes. And we think, all right, well, not a big deal, so I die. It's a really big deal. Why? Because we already understand he is who he says that he is. And my hope is that you long for him, who is true love and personal and, and peace and, and, and life, true life. The consequences of sin is death, not just a physical death. It is a spiritual death, a spiritual cutting off of our life source. Don't miss it. And we think it's funny. And that's a reality. It's scary reality that we don't think it's a big deal. And that's the problem that there's some of you who think, I don't care about God. But you do because your heart beat, beats for him. And you're like, that's ah, fine. But is it fine? You're broken. You're broken, cut off. And you're trying to to just settle for cheap imitations of him because the consequences of sin is death, a physical cutting off of our life with him. But you go to church and everything's good at church, right? You go to church and everything will be great, right? No, why? Oh, you need to come to camp. You'll come to camp and you'll, you'll sit in the chair, you'll, you'll play some games, you'll think about him a little bit, you'll, you'll even talk about it. And as you talk about it and you do these things, right, everything will make more sense and then everything will be good again. No, why? Because the consequences of sin isn't go to church. It's not go to camp. It's not do more things. Why? Because you can't do anything to fix this. And as if this isn't bad enough, the consequences of sin is death, of breaking off of our relationship with him. But then we look at us, and we're broken. And we think that's not a big deal, but you are living in brokenness with relationships with mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, best friends. And you think sin isn't a big deal. Yet it's destroying everything around you. That's why God takes it very seriously. 
The wages of sin is death, and we have to sit in this for a second. There is absolutely nothing we can do to fix this. Someone has to die. The problem is, if you die physically, apart from God spiritually, you'll stay that way for eternity. You have to pay the price for your sin. I have to pay the price for my sin. We're not even talking sins. We're talking sin. One, let alone hundreds, right? I've got to pay the price for my one sin. But my one sin costs me my life. So how do I do that? If I do that, I'm going to be staying away from God for all of eternity. Friends, that's called hell. That it's me saying, I don't want anything to do with you, God. And he says, well, then you will have nothing to do with me for all of eternity. And you will be broken and alone and cut off from me. And my hope is that some of you would start screaming in your mind saying, help. Hang on a minute. I thought this was good news. You're saying, God, who is all of these things, yes, created us to enjoy him, yes, My sin broke that relationship. Yes, and there's nothing I can do to fix it. Now you're on it. And my hope is that some of you in this room would say, help. And what's unbelievable is that God loves us too much to leave us broken like this. That he created you on purpose for a purpose to enjoy him, to show him off to the world, but showing that he only can do it. John 3.16, one of the most famous verses, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. You see, an impossible price had to be paid. Impossible price. We couldn't do it, but Jesus, being fully God, fully man, comes down from heaven, walks a perfect life. He didn't just go to the cross. He lived, and he shows us what it means to live perfectly. He then will go to the cross and he will die in our place because the wages of sin is death and someone has to pay the price. I couldn't, you couldn't, but Jesus can. And here's where it gets even more mind-blowing. Jesus, being fully man, he can pay the price for all of humanity. Being fully God means he could pay for the price for all humanity of all time. So he goes to the cross Because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. One of my favorite Bible verses out there is Ecclesiastes, and it says this. Sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, it says this. Um, Sorry, it's Ephesians chapter 2. It says this. We were dead. We were dead. Or you could even say broken, right? We were dead in our trespasses, in our sin that used to entangle us. The way we used to walk in our old life. We were dead, and I want you to picture this, right? That we are broken. We can't do anything about it. We can't fix it. We were, we were broken here. And then it says, we were dead, we were broken, but God. But God being rich in mercy, God did all the heavy lifting. Jesus, God sent his son, Jesus, to live, to walk, to, to show us what it means of obedience. Went to the cross, died in our place. 
On the third day, he rose again and he conquered sin and death. So it says, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. And then it says, but God. And I want you to read this with me. You ready? It says this. Ready? Say it out loud with me. But God, being rich in mercy. Say it out loud. Keep going. By grace you have been saved. Grace. Unmerited. Do we deserve it? No. We're broken outside of Jesus, and it says, but God, being rich in mercy, made us alive through Christ Jesus. And we look at this now once again, and we look, something that was cut off, that we caused. Jesus restores. What does he restore? He restores everything, friends. And we sit here and we're like, well, Jesus can't be the only way to God. He is the only way. You can't work enough. You can't do anything. He's done it all. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. Relationship restored. Because Jesus did all the heavy lifting for you. You can enjoy all that God is, not just one day in heaven. You get to enjoy him now, who's personal, who knows you, who loves you, who, who is powerful, who brings hope, who gives peace in the midst of chaos around us. We read in Romans 10, it says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Belief is an interesting thing. It's not just knowing things about him, it's believing on him, believing that you need him, showing that you can't do it and you trust that he fixed it. You're giving him glory that he's deserving. You're understanding, look, I don't want to just kind of go through this. You're saying, I need, G I need Jesus because I want to be with him. This is the good news. God created us to enjoy him. Sin broke that relationship. Jesus restored it. And he says, believe that I did what I said I would do. As Jesus goes to the cross, he dies on place. He takes the sins of the world. And what's unbelievable, he, he takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. So as God's looking down upon us, he doesn't see us anymore. He sees us in the shadow of the cross. Isn't it beautiful? He says, enjoy me now. Because on the third day, he doesn't stay in the grave. We're not worshiping a dead God. On the third day, he rises again and he conquers sin and death. And he shows that he alone has the power to make dead things live. As we confess, we believe those things to be true. 2 Corinthians 5.14, I think, is a pretty awesome passage. That in light of this, what do we do? Well, the love of Christ then controls us or compels us and moves us. What Christ did for us should stir something up in us. Because we conclude that one died for all, 
Therefore, we all died. He died for all that those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him, for their sake, died and was raised again. What's that saying? You're saying you were broken. You wanted God. Now you have him. Christ followers live as if you have God in your life. That's the good news. We broke it. He fixed it. So with that, friends, those that have never put your hope and faith in Christ for salvation, my question to you, don't answer right away. What's stopping you? This is true. The consequences of sin is spiritual cutting off of your relationship with God, and maybe you've felt that. What stops you from saying, Jesus, I need you? You confess with your mouth that he is the Lord. You believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead. You'll be saved. So here's what we're going to do. I told you that ahead of time because I really wanted you to think about those that aren't Christians yet. What stops you from giving your life to the Lord? So here's what I'm going to do. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. I bow our heads not to get a moment to pray. We're not going to pray yet. I do that because I want you to get alone with your own thoughts. And in a moment, I'm going to ask those of you that might be thinking, this is something that's now speaking to me. I'm going to invite you in a moment to look up. Your counselors are probably going to catch your eye because they want to be able to walk this thing through with you. But if you're out there in the room and you're like, you know what, I, I, I know I need Jesus. I think I'm ready. Maybe I have questions or maybe I don't have questions. I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. And you've never given your life to the Lord. But tonight you're like, I, I need Jesus. I'm going to invite you to go ahead and look up at me. You've never put your hope and faith in Jesus. Look at me in. Hold on. Cool. Heck yeah. Here's what I'm going to do. Balcony. Good. Heck yeah. Those that are looking around, I'm going to invite you to kind of take a look at your counselors. Maybe get an eye on your counselors here. Just kind of say, I see you. They want to be able to pray with you afterwards. And you might have some questions. Let's get some of those questions answered. I appreciate it. Let's all take a look up here with me real quick. Looking up doesn't save you. Confessing and believing does. I don't lead you through a prayer, but it's very simple, right? What you're doing, you're saying, Lord, I confess I'm a sinner. I need you to save me. I believe you died and you rose again. Come in and be my Lord. Something similar to that. But as you hear the truth... You confess that you need him. So those that looked up, we're going to invite you to stay back. But before we do, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. This gets a little tricky, I know. It's a little scary maybe for some of you introverts. But in a moment, those that have made a decision to say, I need Jesus for the first time. Or maybe you didn't look up and you're like, I still need Jesus and I'm going to, I'm going to stand faith. I'm going to ask you in a moment to stand up. And that's scary. 
And I recognize that. I don't do it because that saves you. I do it because this room is mostly filled with Christians. Christians that have been praying for you. Christians that want to come alongside you. Christians that want to help walk this life out with you. And we don't want you just to do it in your own quietness of your own chair. We want you to stand up boldly and say, I need Jesus. So, again, it doesn't save you. If you don't want to stand, you don't have to. But can I encourage you? If tonight you know you want to put your faith and hope in Jesus, I'm going to count to three. And on three, I'm going to have you stand. If you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, you've never put your hope and faith in Jesus, but tonight you're saying, I need to. I'm going to ask you to stand on the count of three. Are you ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Stand up. Let's hold up. Hold up for one second. Hold up. Hold up. We'll applaud in a minute. Hang on. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing. I know it's awkward for some of you because maybe this is a new thing for you. Anybody else? I don't want to drag it out, but maybe you're out there and you're like, I need to stand up. I don't want to stand up. I need to stand up. I don't want to stand up. Stand up if that's you. Right on. Friends, take a look. If you're standing, can you just take a look around? Maybe, again, get eye contact with your counselors. Say, I see you. I see you. In a moment, those that are seated, I'm going to have you guys erupt with some excitement. And I know you could get loud because I hear you at broom hockey, right? So here's what I, I want us to be celebrating. There's people you've been waiting for, people in this room you've been praying for. If you find yourself wanting to go up there and give them a hug and you're okay with hugs, then go and hug them. Give them a high five. Celebrate with them. Those that are standing right now, by giving your life to the Lord, it doesn't mean life is going to be easy tomorrow, but it means you're doing life with Jesus. And so what I want you to know is the enemy is going to be attacking you. And as you go down the hill, things are going to start to come over you. are like, man, what, what am I thinking? What's going on? Am I alone in this? This roar that's about to come out of this place, I want you to hold on to it. To understand there are, there are hundreds and hundreds of Christians just in this room excited for you, not to mention people that are down the hill that want to walk this thing out with you, okay? So on the count of three, students that are sitting down especially if you're Christians in the room. On the count of three, let's make some noise so that it just gets them just fired up to remember the truth of who Jesus is. On the count of three, you ready? One, two, three, make some noise. Here we go. Sit down. Sit down. Thank you, those that are standing. Listen. Talk to your counselors. All of you who stood, please. Talk with your counselors. You have questions, get those questions answered. If you are out there and you're like, I should have stood. I should have given my life to the Lord tonight. And you didn't, it's too late for you. I'm just kidding, right? Like, it's not. Listen. Listen, listen, you don't have to give your life to the Lord in this chapel. You don't have to do it in your cabin. You don't have to do it at camp. 
Here's the scary reality, and the video mentioned that. We are not promised tomorrow. Friends, I beg you to make peace with God tonight, those that haven't. And if you have questions, do not go to bed until you get questions answered. Lastly, Christians. And I'm going to invite the band to come out. Christians in the room. The gospel is a beautiful truth that we as Christ followers get to remember constantly. If you're out there and you find yourself as a Christian struggling with your relationship with the Lord, can I implore you, can I encourage you to do some business with the Lord? Maybe you have some different kind of theology that I do, but as I read my Bible, there's nothing you could do to separate you from the love of God, which means sin can no longer cut the power of the cross. You, you can't do enough to undo his love for you, those that are in Christ. Those that gave your life to the Lord, you're with him. You can't break this. You can't, the, the power of his love can't break it. It will overcome anything you're struggling with. What you might be feeling is you're, you're pulling away from him. You're, you're trying to live as if you're broken. Stop. It's called repenting. Literally, stop going down one way, turn around and look up. And you don't need to stand up for it. Maybe you need to fall on your face, fall on your knees and say, God, I, I got to recognize you for who you are. Help me to live this life out that you want me to because you redeemed my life. You've given me you, not just one day in heaven, even though that is true. I get to enjoy you today. And some of you haven't been living that way. Christians, perhaps tonight, you say, no more, I want to live for you. So in this song, maybe start processing that and, and then the, the human staff will come up here and give us more direction on what we're doing and maybe you might need to stay back and do some business with the Lord. But we, may we live lives worthy of the calling that we have received. Would you pray with me? Jesus, we are so thankful for the good news that our sin broke a relationship that you gave us. And you're the one and your love and your mercy and your grace restored it. Lord, we're thankful for you. We're thankful for the brothers and sisters that stood up. May all of us recognize you for who you are because one day all will bow on heaven and on earth and under the earth and all will confess that you are Lord. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for being our King. Thank you for being our Savior. Thank you for the good news.